should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Happy Tuesday. It is Tuesday and we are making tacos today. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Hello, John. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? We missed you last week. You did. I totally um, called you out and said that you had, uh, you know, an emergency. Something was going on with your body. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. It was a house repair person. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I said something along those lines. Mm. Hey, it's May 10th. Happy May 10th. <laughs> Happy May 10th. Oh, wow. I, what did you, how did you celebrate uh, May 10th Eve yesterday? Right. Um, sleeping. Oh, good. And good. Uh, finishing up my, uh, I, I was rewatching The L Word in their sixth season. So now I'm at the, the sixth season. And, you know, it's funny when you go back and watch these things, um, you don't realize what you missed the first time. And I could have sworn, like, I remembered everything because I was so excited about women on TV. Yeah. Uh, but there was a lot I missed. <laughs> hey, big news. Wow. The media is going crazy. Huge, huge news. Yeah. Be a little more specific, though. <laughs> Eva Mendez and Ryan Gosling had their second baby. Did they? <laughs> Are they a couple? Sorry. Wrong show. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> big, huge news for the LGBTQI community. Yesterday, Attorney General Loretta Lynch had announced that the Department of Justice, the United States Department of Justice, had filed a lawsuit against North Carolina's governor, Pat McCrory, for, you know, the, for passing sneakily HB2, HB2 being the anti-LGBTQ uh, bill. It's a very discriminating bill. And they also cite that HB2 does, in fact, violate federal law and referring to Title Seven and Nine um, regarding the Civil Rights Act. So what does Pat McCrory do? <laughs> he responds by filing his own lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if anyone saw the article on Politico yesterday, politico.com, a politics website, um, had a, an article talking about how North Carolina Republicans are, it's starting to sink in on them how much they've lost the public relations fight over this bill um, and that they're looking probably at major losses for a couple election cycles as a result of it, because it's, it's defining them. And right. even, even Southern conservatives generally don't like to be thought of as, you know, the mean discriminating folks. So um, it's going to be a very interesting election day on, on November. And I think, well, I, I did read somewhere somehow that, you know, Ted Cruz totally thought that, uh, by by supporting Pat McCrory and HB2 and talking about or defending religious bills or religious freedom bills like this, and I put religious freedom in air quotes, um, <laughs> that, that that was going to be, you know, a winning ticket for him or something that was going to help his campaign, but uh, it, it didn't. 
obviously. No, no. <laughs> I do want to read a quote really quick before we start our program. Uh, what Loretta Lynch said in her speech yesterday, yesterday regarding the LGBT, well, I should say the transgender community. Uh, let me also speak directly to the transgender community itself. She said, we see you, we stand with you, and we will do everything we can to protect you going forward. Please know that history is on your side. Ooh. <laughs> I got goosebumps and a lot of us were crying, but anyway, great day, great day. We still have a lot of work to do. So let's get our show started today. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our next guest is a uh, senior staff attorney from our good friends at the Southern Poverty Law Center, really huge fan and supporter of SPLC. Um, you know, speaking of uh, someone like Governor Pat McCrory, there's a, a lot of people who had responded to marriage equality in the most negative way. And one person that I would give just a bowl of, of, of donkey uh, <laughs> dookie to, <laughs> to to just talk about just how, how crazy, crazy can get is Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore. Now, if you'll remember, you know, when, when federal marriage had passed, his response to that was that he was absolutely defiant. In fact, um, he instructed state court judges to defy federal court order and enforce the state's unconstitutional ban on same-sex marriage. So he's not... I don't know. He's not awakened from the dead or something yet. He's <laughs> way back reverse. So here to talk about Alabama Chief Justice Roy, Roy Moore, who is in trouble again, <laughs> is, is Scott McCory. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're very excited to have you. And so I, I'm, I'm excited for a, lo- a couple of reasons. I mean, SPLC has done a wonderful job in educating this entire country. And I do believe that the organization has been um, uh, very successful in letting people know about these anti-gay, anti, anti-American, in my opinion, uh, hate groups that exist out there. Uh, before we get uh, we before we get into all that and discuss those organizations, um, Chief Justice Roy Moore, SPLC, had filed the initial complaint that got him suspended in the first place. Let's let's talk about that. Right. Um, so you know, uh, there was a, a federal district court here in Alabama, down in Mobile, Alabama, in southern Alabama, that, like many other uh, district courts around the country in various states, um, had ruled that the Alabama marriage laws that discriminated against same-sex couples were, in fact, unconstitutional. And that, of course, um, sent um, Chief Justice Moore and others, you know, off into a tirade. And and so he issued, um, you know, orders to the uh, probate judges, which are the ones that grant marriage licenses here in Alabama, uh, you know, and told them, don't follow that, you know, it's, we have to wait for the Supreme Court. Then, of course, the Supreme Court uh, came around uh, and said, nope, sorry, um, you know, uh, gay and lesbian uh, couples have a fundamental right to exercise marriage. Um, and so that happened. And then, you know, that was in, in June of, of last year. And then in January of this year, um, he had, you know, nothing had been said for a while from the Alabama Supreme Court, so he decided, well, I'm going to come out and I'm going to instruct, again, uh, the probate judges that they have a ministerial duty to follow Alabama law and not to follow um, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in Obergefell, and more importantly, 
uh, an injunction that had been entered uh, by the district court in Mobile, specifically ordering all of the probate judges to, in fact, issue marriage licenses mm-hmm. to uh, gay and lesbian couples um, in line with Obergefell. And that is really what the Judicial Inquiry Commission has kind of tagged him with, is that um, you know he essentially, by issuing his order, said to the 68 probate judges in Alabama, you should follow you know, me rather than complying with a federal court order uh, from the, the, the Mobile Court. And, you know, that's what got him kicked off of the Alabama Supreme Court the first time back in, in 2003. He refused to follow a court order saying that he had to remove a washing machine-sized monument of the Ten Commandments uh, from the rotunda of the state judiciary building, which mm-hmm. he put there. Uh, that was unconstitutional. Um, and the court told him to remove it, and he said, no, I'm not going to, even though you ordered me to, and that's what got him kicked off. So basically, we essentially have here history repeating himself, uh, repeating itself with, with the Chief Justice. He's just not capable of following the rule of law, uh, because he wants to do what he thinks is, should be the law. And unfortunately, that's not, uh, that's not how our system works. And, and in his direction to probate judges not to issue uh, same-sex marriage licenses, was there, I mean, was he saying you shouldn't do this? Was there an implied threat of, of punishment? Legal, you know, was he, in other words, using st- a, a threat of state legal sanction against these folks if they did issue marriage licenses? Or was he just um, issuing an opinion? Well, in a way, yes, because so there was, once the federal court down in Mobile had ruled the Alabama marriage laws unconstitutional, a group of right-wing uh, organizations rushed to the Alabama Supreme Court and filed their own lawsuit and asked the Alabama Supreme Court to, to, you know, to rule that, in fact, the Alabama marriage laws were constitutional, which they did. And so they set up this situation where you had the federal district court saying they're unconstitutional, and you had the state Supreme Court saying they were constitutional. So probate judges were, were in this position of, well, you know, who do I follow? What, which master do I follow? And Roy Moore um, was basically saying, you better follow the Alabama Supreme Court. And, you know, if they didn't, then, you know, the judges could, uh, you know, potentially be held in contempt of an Alabama Supreme Court order. Well, the, you know, by the time the second, uh, by the time in this year, in January, when Roy Moore came around and said, you better, you know, uh, you have a ministerial duty to follow Alabama law, um, he didn't, you know, he failed to even mention, you know, or, or acknowledge that there was a federal court order from the, from the federal court in Mobile that w- was applicable to all the probate judges that said you have to issue marriage licenses equally. And so he basically was encouraging them to, to, you know, to not follow that order. And if they didn't follow the federal order uh, from Mobile, they could be held in contempt of court. And at the same time, he was saying, well, we have this Alabama Supreme Court order, and if you don't follow it, then you could potentially be, you know, in contempt of that order. So he was... He said he was trying to clear up confusion, but in fact he was creating a situation of confusion right. for right. probate judges because he was trying to tell them, 
you know, that, that, that they were going to get in trouble if they didn't follow the Alabama Supreme Court. Sure. Now, as I remember from my social studies in junior high and high school, um, there was always the idea, you know, the, the phrase of federal supremacy. I mean, was there any interpretive wiggle room there? Or, I mean, the federal court ruling wouldn't it have automatically superseded anything on the state level? Or does that only happen when it gets up to a Supreme Court decision? I mean, what was... Well, I mean, I, you know, Chief Justice Moore thinks that, you know, that, that there are, that the, that the district court and the Alabama Supreme Court are equally capable of interpreting the federal constitution. And certainly they both are capable of, of interpreting the federal constitution. But, but once the United States Supreme Court had ruled in Obergefell, and once the, the, the federal uh, district court judge in Mobile, once that, that, um, that injunction became effective after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled, that's it, right? I mean, then there's no question that um, Obergefell's holding that marriage equality is, is, you know, mandated by the federal constitution. Everybody has to follow that. There's just no doubt. Sure. So, so what are the punishment options, or what could he be facing? If we're talking about a permanent removal, is that does that mean he can never return to the position, or... Could he, like last time, just run again in the next election? Right. It's an excellent question. And um, under under different circumstances, he could potentially, if he's removed, so that the strongest sanction is is that he could be kicked off the Alabama Supreme Court, which, as you mentioned and I mentioned, uh, has happened before. Um, but then uh, in 2003, when he was kicked off, um, he was able to then run for a seat on the Alabama Supreme Court again. Unfortunately, in Alabama, our judges are elected, um, and so uh, Moore ran for off, ran for the seat on the Supreme Court again, and was elected with eighty percent of the vote. Wow. Uh, and so he was back on the court. The difference this time is, if he is removed, which I think he should be, uh, the difference is there is a limit on how old you can be and serve on. <laughs> the Alabama Supreme Court. And that age limit is 70 years old. And so if he, he's currently 69, and he will turn 70 in February next year. And so if he were kicked off of the court again now, by the time there's another seat open on the Alabama Supreme Court for which he could run, he would be 70 and therefore would be too old to run. Oh, this is just so <laughs> perfect and ironic. I mean, I was calling him out for his archaic views, and he needs to, you know, it, uh, get himself up to modern times. And, and, and if he gets removed, he'll just simply be too old. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, um, his, his views are already too old to be on the Alabama Supreme Court, but right. now he'll be physically too old to be on the Alabama Supreme Court. <laughs> it's kind of perfect. I don't mean to laugh, but I don't care. I'm laughing. Anyway, Scott, we've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd love to continue this discussion and talk um, more in depth about Southern Poverty Law Center and the success that you've had calling out these anti, or uh, I should say, I'm just going to call them hate organizations. That's what they are. So stay with us, okay? Sure thing. The Michelle Miel Show continues right after this. Don't go away. We're making tacos with John Zipper of the Commonwealth Club. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. 
babe. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Tuesday, May 10th. I'm Michelle Meow, your host, and John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us today. And I have to apologize, apologize, apologize. I think I've been referring to our special guest today as Scott McCory, and it's Scott McCoy. <laughs> and that's not to confuse anybody, because there is a McCory we don't like, and that is Pat McCory from <laughs> North Carolina. So, Scott, I'm really sorry about that. No worries. I didn't even notice. But, yes, it's right. It's McCoy, not McCory. So. <laughs> the real McCoy. The real McCoy. Right, right. Um, right before the break, we have uh, been having a discussion about Am- Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore and uh, how you know he has just been defiant um, with with federal marriage equality. I, I know right before the break, John had a question. John, you well, want well, to follow actually, up? You were just talking about kind of the the punishment options and mm-hmm. potential return options. Um, what happens? Okay, so if he's permanently removed. Um, it does his seat then go to a special election or does the governor appoint someone or how does how does that or do they run without someone in that seat until the next election right no the uh, the way so if there's a vacancy that that happens on the Alabama Supreme Court the governor uh, appoints someone to fill that vacancy um, uh, a- until the next uh, possible election so, uh, for that seat so um, so, for instance, you know, it's going to be a couple of months probably before he actually has his trial in in the what's called the Alabama Court of the Judiciary. Um, and so, um, once that process happens, it, it will 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 take the positive assumption, which is he's removed from office. Um, then the the governor um, of Alabama would appoint a replacement, and then that person would sit in that seat until 
there was, uh, you know, another uh, the next opportunity to to have an election. Sure, that person could could like run for that seat in right. the next election. So, and just at, at the risk of making Michelle laugh again, um, the Alabama governor who would do that appointing is himself under uh, impeachment threat because of a sex scandal. Am I right, Governor Bentley? Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. And. The, the 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 I mean it's not it doesn't matter now but the irony would have been if the governor would have been you know actually impeached and then been tried in the Senate the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court is who presides over the impeachment trial <laughs> so it's it's all a mess but but now that that an ethics complaint has been filed against um, or ethics charges have been filed against uh, Chief Justice Moore mm-hmm. by operation of law he is suspended as a judge so he currently right now is not um, you know acting as a supreme court justice or as the chief justice of the supreme court he's suspended so he's not hearing cases or anything like that so even if governor you know bentley were you know were to be uh... impeached and and need to be tried someone else from the alabama supreme court would actually oversee that that trial in the senate Scott, just to, to kind of, um, you know, conclude this mess, I'm going to call it <laughs> right. a mess. Jeez, you know. Um, so uh, while he's suspended, you know, what's going on with marriage licenses that people are filing oh, for, especially, question. you know, uh, same-sex couples? And if probate sure. judges are even, you know, still confused or, or even taking him seriously while he's suspended? Right. Fortunately, um, he, even though he, you know, I think was attempting to to uh, convince probate judges not to issue marriage licenses. The vast majority of the 68 probate judges in Alabama have been issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples on an equal basis. There are still, though, a handful, uh, maybe 10 or 12, that are not issuing marriage licenses at all to either same-sex couples or opposite-sex couples. And that is because the provision of Alabama law that says probate judges, you know, issue marriage licenses is permissive. It says that they may issue licenses, not that they shall. And in legal, in the legal world, there's a big difference between may and shall. May means you can make a decision whether you do or you don't, and shall means you have to, of course. And so um, those probate judges who don't want to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples know that the only way that they can do that permissibly is if they just get out of the marriage business altogether. And so they've made the decision just not to issue marriage licenses in their counties. So whether you're a gay couple or a straight couple, if you live in one of those counties, you're out of luck. You have to go next door to a county that is issuing marriage licenses to get your marriage license. So, um, and I know we want to kind of expand this as well to folks just beyond Roy Moore, but so how do you, how does the Southern Poverty Law Center, for example, go about, uh, you know, researching and, and choosing what complaints to make, what charges to try to get, you know, put against someone, and who else are, are who's on your, your uh, radar these days? Right. Well, um, so, you know, the, the process, like, for inter- when, we, when we, like, monitor judges and things like that in the state of Alabama... Uh, and decide whether or not you know they're they're violating the, the the canons of judicial ethics. The guide really is the the rules of ethics, and those are referred to as the canons of of judicial ethics. Mm-hmm. They set forth you know the conduct 
that judges, you know, must uh, abide by in order to, you know, be judges. And so if we see a judge who's doing something that violates those canons of ethics, like we saw with, with uh, Chief Justice Moore, then, you know, we, we, we look at their conduct, we look at the rules of ethics and see if they, there's a breach, and if there is, then we'll bring a, an ethics complaint. Um, you know, the Chief Justice is not the only one that we have, you know, brought to task in this process. Um, not for the marriage context, but, for instance, there was a judge here in Alabama that was saying to people that came into his courtroom for, uh, you know, to pay the fines that they owed for traffic tickets or whatever, he said, you know, well, there's a blood donation uh, mobile outside. You can either go, you can pay your fine, and if you can't pay your fine, you can go out and you can pay, you can donate blood or you can go to jail. And so that's unethical for a judge to do. <laughs> um, you can't say give blood or go to jail. Uh, and so we brought an ethics complaint against that judge, and you know that judge was was disciplined and sanctioned in this similar process. So, I mean, really, we're guided by the canons of ethics, uh, and so um, that's kind of what we watch for. Um, I had you know questions about some of those big, big, big anti-LGBTQ organizations that are listed as a hate group uh, by SPLC. <laughs> Like, you know, Focus on the Family, um, those kinds of guys, American Family Association, uh, mm-hmm. who've done, gosh, incredible harm to the LGBTQ community. But despite the harm that they have done, thankfully, you know, we're at this place now where the attorney general, uh, the Obama administration, you know, is is absolutely declaring that they'll continue to protect transgender people, one of the most marginalized groups in this country or, you know, um Kind of, what are your your thoughts about their power, their influence, or the people that they have been successful in previous years? As far as, well, my words are brainwashing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, do you think that uh, they'll go away anytime soon? Well, I would hope, but unfortunately, you know, um, even with the, you know, with just during the pendency of the Obama administration. The number of, of of hate groups and uh, and hate activity uh, that has ha- been happening in this country has actually been on the increase, which uh, is is really unfortunate. And I think uh, to a certain extent, you know, uh, as part of backlash to advances that are made in, in the LGBT rights movement, you know, you'll see some increased activity from some of these groups as a response. Um, you know, there is an intersection even between our previous conversation with with Chief Justice Moore and groups that the center has identified as anti-LGBT hate groups. Uh, and that intersection is there's a group called Liberty Council. Mm-hmm. And Liberty Council has been identified as an anti-LGBT hate group by the SPLC. And Roy Moore hired Liberty Council uh, to defend him as his lawyer in the proceeding in the Court of the Judiciary. And so... Um, you know, these groups are out there, they're engaged, and they're very dangerous because they have the resources necessary to step in and defend some of these, you know, indefensible, you know, actions. If you remember, Liberty Council was also the same people that defended um, the Kentucky Kim Davis, Kim Davis uh, clerk in that, you know, high-profile case. Right. Um, and they're also, you know, bringing suits, you know, elsewhere in the country 
um, to try and effectively roll back advances that are made by um, the LGBT rights movement. Now, that doesn't alone make them a hate group. Um, the SPLC is very careful uh, and very deliberative uh, about uh, making a designation of someone as a hate group. And um, so if you have a religious belief that homosexuality is a sin, that doesn't make you a hate group. Um, what makes you a hate group is when you go out and you make sweeping generalizations and spread myths about the entire class of people uh, you know, in ways that, that are, are really damaging. For instance, you know, a common allegation that these groups make is that you know, gay people are pedophiles. Um, you know, that is something that is mm-hmm. factually false and is used as a way to demonize the entire population of, of, of gay people. Um, by going out and doing things like that and, and cumulatively, you know, across time and, 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 you know, and in different areas, if you're doing that, then you're going to be at risk of qualifying as, as a hate group. And I suppose it doesn't help if you're sending armed people into target restrooms to uh, try to, quote-unquote, police <laughs> the, the genders. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the latest. I mean. Hey, Scott, it has been awesome having you on the program and walking us through what's, what's going on with Chief Justice um, Roy Moore in Alabama. Uh, all this, you know, talk is helping people understand what's exactly happening there so that, you know, hopefully you don't fall into the cracks, into the lies, the myths, and uh, so that you're well-informed. Thank you so much for the work that you also do with SPLC. I honestly don't know where our movement would be if we, we didn't have you guys out there fighting for us. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And we also need voices like yours, you know, out there on the airwaves to counter, you know, some of the nonsense we hear often from these folks. So thank you for that. That's true. They kind of own <laughs> talk radio. <laughs> you're right. Well, Scott, you're, you're invited here anytime. So hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Wonderful. Thank you. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away. We will continue our conversation about, well, the South and, 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 and people, you know, who are just trying to lie their way through all this hate. So don't go away. Come right back. The spotlight on success and achievement goes to LGBTQI members of the Bay Area who have demonstrated an incredible amount of success. We're very proud to announce that this month's spotlight on success and achievement is Rick Welts. Well, it's been an unbelievable stretch of time, obviously. Uh, Everything the Warriors have gone through this season, really a magical season that ended in a championship. and now to, to top it off a week later with the opportunity to participate in the Pride Parade in San Francisco, it's a, it's a pretty wonderful time. You know, it's been a journey, right? We're all on our own personal journeys, and uh, the last four years has been a remarkable part of my life, but it, it's definitely a part of my life. Uh, you know, the decisions I made four years ago to come out in the way that I did, obviously, you know, I had decided I was signing up for something going forward and being part of the discussion. 
uh, and you know I welcome that. And this is, uh, you know, for me a real honor to to be participating in this way. And I guess in in some ways it, it will be a demonstration of how far professional sports has come in in a very short period of time. Uh, not as far as our society has come. So I think we have a lot to celebrate. Wow, I, I don't think I have any secrets. I don't think I'm that mysterious. You know, I've got a uh, pretty simple life. I like pretty simple things. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a great partner, his name's Todd Gage. Uh, he has two wonderful children, a 14-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy. I, I uh, got off the parade route, got into a car with them. We drove to Lake Tahoe and I got to watch 14-year-old girls play four soccer games over the course of the weekend and then drive back to the Bay Area. So that's my idea of an exciting weekend, you know, spending it with the kids and my partner and getting to do, you know, the most basic things that any family would get to do. Spotlight on success and achievement presented by Wells Fargo. Together we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Super Tuesday. I don't mean Super Tuesday in a political way, but super because... John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, madam, for having me here. Just to remind everyone, John has his own show. It's his political roundtable talk called Week to Week, and it airs here on the Michelle Miao Show Fridays at 4 o'clock, so make sure you tune in for that. Our next guest today, well, I think it's it's is a perfect guest, and we opened up the show talking about uh, yesterday's big announcement of the Department of Justice filing a lawsuit against North Carolina's governor, Pat McCrory, for their very anti-LGBT and very discriminating bill, HB2. Um, we've been talking about, you know, the number of companies and, and you know, local governments, states, singers, I mean, everyone who uh, basically has said that they will pull out of North Carolina because of the the passage of that bill. One thing that we did ask last week was, while everyone's pulling out and all this money is not funneling into North Carolina, what about the LGBTQ people within the the area, not just exactly North Carolina, but the southern states in which we're finding these religious freedom bills are are passing, such as Mississippi or Tennessee, Tennessee. and so our next guest is with a special organization that uh, has been, you know, right there in the trenches, uh, as small as they are or may feel or seem. And they have been incredibly successful, uh, basically adv- advancing, you know, the rights of LGBTQ people in the South. And so I'd like to welcome our next guest, Ivy League, who is, Ivy Hill, who is with the Campaign for Southern Equality. Ivy, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much. Um, so I just mentioned, you know, just kind of to put it there uh, while, you know, a lot of uh, companies are talking about boycotts and banning you know, the southern states that are passing anti-LGBTQ bills. Campaign for Southern Equality has been extremely successful in su- being supportive and advancing, you know, LGBTQ equality within the general area. Right. Yeah, well, we you know, we do our best to uh, work with grassroots organizers on the ground in areas that are affected by um, anti-LGBT legislation like HB2. So, uh, and how, how do you go about doing it? I mean, what are, I know you, I believe, are working with uh, the toolkit, and could you explain what that is? Sure, yeah. So I'm the LGBT rights toolkit coordinator with the Campaign for Southern Equality. Um, 
But the other programs that we that we're using to help support grassroots leadership are uh, programs like our Southern Equality Fund, um, where grassroots organizers can apply for money um, to help them execute their ideas um, to help support their community. We also have the Hometown Organizing Project um, and the toolkit. Uh, we do stuff like um, a trans employment clinic um, where folks get to uh, come and sharpen their skills with resume and CV writing and mock interviews. Uh, and then we couple that with a uh, resource bank and trans-friendly job fair. Um, so stuff like that, just what we can do to get direct services in the hands of folks who need them. So when we were talk- uh, Michelle was talking about you know, these, the attention, say, North Carolina has been getting, um, you know, from big business and, and such. Does that focus from big business and the, you know, the big singers who aren't coming there, does that filter down to, you know, the person on the ground? Or is that all just kind of, you know, I mean, are, in other words, does that help you and what you're trying to do? Or does it distract or not do anything for as far as the actual work you're doing on the ground with folks? Yeah, you know, I think when we focus on um, pop stars and businesses pulling out, we really miss the real issues that trans folks are facing. Um, and we miss that talking about uh, what a danger this is for transgender people in North Carolina. Um, and that's really the important thing to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. I want to touch on, you know, funding. Uh, like I said, you know, all this money being pulled away, but like how does an organization, um, which can be considered small, you know, it's not, it's not HRC who uh, receives millions and millions of dollars in donations, but how does your organization um yeah, look for the funding for the support in an environment that can be hostile or dangerous to LGBTQ people. Yeah, you know, we're a scrappy little grassroots group, and we rely heavily on donations that we get from the community. Um, We're not funded like HRC, um, but I can't really speak to that um, because that's not the area that I work in Mm -hmm. with the campaign. Yeah, no, I mean, I kind of wanted to give our listeners an idea here, you know, as far as um, there are people in these states that are supportive of LGBTQ people. There is a community. It's not like, oh, they pass an anti-LGBT bill and everybody got in a flight to Hawaii or to California where it's much more safe for LGBT people. And and the I think the, the, the other side of that story is, you know, it sounds like you work grassroots with, with people. Um, talk to us about the allies situation. I think allies have been, um, you know, they've been part of the reason for our very quick advancement of LGBTQ equality, such as marriage equality. Uh, do, would you say that, you know, that's also happening in, in southern states and we're just not hearing it in big media? Sure, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, LGBT folks in North Carolina and South Carolina and all these states where this legislation is being introduced, you know, we have friends and family and neighbors and employers who love us and care about us. And um, that's not the narratives that are being lifted up, but it's so important Um you know, to know that LGBT folks in these states do have support. Um, it's really important for us to have that. Sure. Is it, now what I've heard lately is the, the kind of the development of some of the bigger cities in the South that are sort of beacons of, of uh, relative tolerance. Um, and, you know, they had been the ones who had passed uh, anti-discrimination laws that were then superseded by some of these state things. Um, 
from what you see, I mean, is there a big difference from, say, someone who's in a small town in South in North Carolina versus someone who's in Raleigh or, or you know, one of the other big cities where they, they probably find it easier to find an LGBT center or, or other support? Sure, absolutely. You know, and that's why we think it's really important to center our work around um, rural areas wow. in the South mm-hmm. um, because there is a, a real lack of support and it's more difficult to find resources in rural towns. Absolutely, I would expect that. You know, it's. Uh, I was reading the article that was featured in the Advocate and talking about campaign for Southern equality, and 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 they they made a great point in that there, were, you know, some of these states like Mississippi, for example, you know, was not being discussed on mainstream media as far as LGBT issues goes, right? So I feel like there is also this sentiment of. Um, there are LGBTQ people in the South who have lived their lives, who go to church, who, you know, show up at birthdays with their families and everything's fine. And, and once, uh, you know, someone makes a big deal out of it or it hits Fox news somewhere, or, you know, some, it becomes like a controversial issue. That's when things get ugly. Um, I don't, would you, what, what do you think Ivy? Is that, well, you know, my as far as like my assessment goes, it's kind of like if a pimple's there and you keep touching it and touching it and touching it, it grows and it bursts. <laughs> sure, you know, I think that I think that these uh, religious freedom bills and stuff can really bring a lot of that um, internalized homophobia or transphobia to the surface. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that it's not good for us to address these issues head on, um, mm-hmm. and that it might bring up more negativity right now but that's something that we're going to have to walk through to get to the other side of it. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest challenges you face in your job? I mean, you're doing such important work, and, and like you were just saying, I mean, with the rural folks where there really is, a, I think, a, a connection issue and, and, and a, a certainly a, a support issue, I mean, you're, you're right there. What, what are the big challenges, and how do you go about dealing with them? You know, we see really devastating numbers when we look at the way that bills like HB2 or now laws like HB2 are affecting the transgender community. Um, so suicide rates um, jump whenever we see bills like this even get introduced, whether or not they get signed into law or not. Uh, the Trans Lifeline is a suicide hotline, and they've seen more than double their calls since HB2 was introduced from North Carolina. Um, so I think that that's like part of the really devastating effect of, of this legislation. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say, do you, do you think there's going to be any sort of a backlash against, you know, the people who put in HB2, and, you know, that the Republicans could face a comeuppance in the next election, or is support for it still strong on, 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 you know, on, the, on the ground? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot remains to be seen about how this will all shake out, but what I know is clear is uh, that this law is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think it's only a matter of time until we get it repealed, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not doing tremendous damage to folks' lives right now while it's on the book. Absolutely. Ivy, one last question for you, and thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, you know, as far as all this bathroom conversation goes, it's, it's interesting how adults are now, uh, you know, having a discussion about who gets access to the bathrooms. How are, how are you, or I should say, you know, the organization, how are you addressing and educating people on, on these bills that, you know, isn't necessarily just about uh, you know, bathroom access? Sure, yeah. Well, two bathrooms. We are uh, providing free all-gender restroom signs to Asheville-based businesses, which is where our campaign is based. 
um, for folks to change that signage makes a big difference in sending a clear message to trans folks uh, who live in your town that you are a safe place. Um, so that's something that we're doing around that, but also, you know, doing interviews, speaking out, writing op-eds, encouraging other people to do the same, uh, to say that this is about so much more than bathroom. I think that's a really good move. Is there, do you give advice to folks who are literally, you know, a trans person and, and should they, which bathroom should they use? I mean, are they in legal trouble if they, you know, use the one that matches their gender identity? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's a really difficult situation that yeah. trans folks are having to navigate right now. Um, you know, and I think it's a case-by-case basis where people feel the most safe. Um, in, a, in my ideal world, it would not be an issue. And, of course, you use the bathroom that matches your gender identity. And for some folks right now, that's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, so... We've launched the Western North Carolina Trans Support Line. There's also the Trans Lifeline. Um, both of those are staffed by trans folks who can talk to people one-on-one and help them sort through stuff like that and provide them support. Ivy, thank you so much for all that you do. Hang in there. And, uh, I mean, I just can't even imagine it. <laughs> everything that's going on, and you guys are still there for the LGBTQ community in the general area. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. To support the work that Campaign for Southern Equality uh, works on, you can head to southernequality.org. Don't go away. When we come back, John Zipper and I shut the show down. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. 
Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Uh, uh, wow. What a show. Yes. <laughs> you know what? what is great, though? I mean, is, uh, in terms of the discussion that we're having, I just really feel like, although it feels very horrible to, to see, you know, states try to pass these bills, I also equally see, you know, the progress that we're making in terms of of being able to fight these bills from a legal standpoint, having the federal government stand up for our community. I mean, ugh, like I said, I got chills. Yes, I mean, our two guests today actually are, are great uh, at showing that, you know, really kind of one of the terrible times for, all, you know, on the legal front and, and on the personal front for a lot of LGBT folks along, along in the South, there are you know, two different approaches that are that are directly helping people. One is going is holding you know the the uh, judges and the the elected f- officials' feet to the fire. So, feet, of course, is now a, a word. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one, I mean, I love. I mean, working in rural areas in North Carolina, you know, dealing with folks who are very, you know, in many cases separated from from services and and assistance and and the support you would get in a bigger city. Um, I mean, that's that's great. And they're both very, very necessary. Right. And if I can be a a broken record, as I often am on this, because I just did my vote by mail this morning and mailed it, in fact, on my way to the the radio show. um, It really shows the importance of voting, because you know what? Roy Moore, the Alabama chief justice who could get you know kicked out of office. Who knows? He might replace Alabama governor, Mr. <laughs> Bentley, if Bentley is removed from office, <laughs> you know. Um, so it always matters that you vote. Absolutely. In this situation of Chief Justice Roy Moore, I mean, you have you have a judge, mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 I can't say respect a respected judge. I don't know. But 80 percent of That's... of Ala, Alabama people, Alabamians, Alabama. Alabamaranians <laughs> had voted him, even though you know he had been in trouble initially, and that's eighty percent. Yeah, eighty percent is a high number, and so. Um, but what I do want to touch on is the fact that you know, to to slap Roy Moore's hands or to get him suspended or to get him removed um, under these conditions. I mean, it should send a message you know, to people that discrimination will not be tolerated here in this country. Now that goes falls back on you know the argument that some of these conservatives are using. They're saying the federal government is meddling in smaller governments. We shall not have that. And they're trying to do the whole argument, federal versus state laws, blah, 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 blah. And they're scaring people that way, like Big Brother's overreaching their arms into, you know, and meddling into our state affairs and blah, blah, blah. But what we're talking about are, you know, things that uh, SPLC had said, you know, when Scott said that, hey, we, we run on a, a, a uh, ethics basis. So we're calling out people who literally are doing horrible things to other people in this country. So it's not like, you know, people are stealing a candy bar and the federal government or the FBI is coming in and, and <laughs> regulating and throwing them in solitary confinement at some big prison complex. <laughs> <laughs> I watch too many movies. That, that, that paints a good picture of it. Um, I mean, that's true. And that, that you know, you got this a lot in the uh, the gay marriage cases that went to the Supreme Court. They weren't based on emotion, though there was a ton of emotion in it on both sides. That what they le- actually went after were, you know, you said this, 
this is not true. Mm-hmm. You said this. There's nothing to back mm-hmm. that up. And in this case, you know, the, the SPLC is is going after these are the ethics rules. You broke this ethics rule. You broke this ethics rule. And it it is a I mean, there are places where the law exists. It's not enforced. You know, mm-hmm. uh, South Africa during apartheid. You know, they used to always be very proud of, well, our independent judiciary. Yeah, but they were applying a, a, a horrible law. China, Russia, Soviet Union. Um, you often will have in law some very high-sounded, high-minded, you know, pro-freedom, pro-individual uh, uh, sort of, of uh, language. But it does not get down there. And they, you know, it, and you, you know, SPLC would not be allowed to operate in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Good for them. If you support them, you know you, you really should support them because, um, as he, as Scott McCoy pointed out, the organizations on the other side are very well funded. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, touching on Ivy Hill and the work that she does with Campaign for Southern Equality. I mean, she said it. You know, they're a scrappy little organization. I think their annual budget is like three hundred some thousand dollars. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, San Francisco Pride has a much bigger budget than that and not to reduce what we do but you know we focused on a two-day celebration that brings millions of or i shouldn't say millions i oh know, just say that. millions a possibly, lot, possibly lot, billions <laughs> a lot of people to san francisco you know and it comes down to this um uh, the the bare bones of our movement is to be visible is to be out you know that's what harvey milk had campaigned for you know that was what he believed in is that we had to come out and so for a lot of people in the southern states who are already out or who, you know, can't and should not be pushed back into the closet, they have to fight in different ways. And I think doing these grassroots things, I mean, it's just so remarkable and it's so incredible. But it also makes me feel like how many other big organizations throughout this entire country who have it a lot better could be helping out. In southern states like that. Well, and certainly one of the ways, you know, all of these companies who say they're not going to invest, increase investments in North Carolina, for example, because of HB2, or they're they're not going to give a concert or something like that. Great, as far as it bringing attention to the issue and putting pressure on, on the politicians there. Um, maybe take just a portion of that money that you would have spent there or that you're saving or that whatever and give it to these the organizations like CES right. and Southern Poverty Law Center because... That's how you'll actually really make the change and and make sure it sticks and it Mm -hmm. really hits the ground where people are living. So I asked Scott McCoy from Southern Poverty Law Center if he thought some of these really, you know, dangerous anti-LGBT hate groups like Focus on the Family, American Association or American American Family Family. Association, if if they are losing, you know, their power structure or, you know, their hands on their influence – I think so. I think that I think that, you know, people tuning in who are new, people who are, you know, living in other or cities and, and may not be in the South, but you know, you know in your heart gay people are not evil. Because you know someone who's gay and I'm not evil and I'm gay because if you're tuning in, you probably like me. <laughs> <laughs> If you I don't, hope. following the Progressive Voices Network really was a mistake you made. Um, but, <laughs> but stay but tuned you know because you'll learn. But you know what I'm saying is that I just yeah. feel like it's cracking or it's dismantling somehow. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think I think Scott made the case that, uh, you know, this is happening at a time of amazing advancements. And so we're seeing a reaction to this. And the reaction 
you know, it's not something where, you know, we're talking about something that tens of millions of people believe very firmly that, you know, homosexuality is wrong or that they're all crazy or whatever. Well, there, it used to be easier for them when it wasn't something where it was very public and, and, you know, they weren't looking at, oh my gosh, lesbians can get married. You know, they could kind of say, okay, well, I disagree with that, but that's off over there. Mm -hmm. Now they're kind of being forced to deal with it more in their everyday lives. Um, and well, they're going to have to, I mean, that's just life. You, you deal with the complexities that, that life is. And if, I don't know, my thing is you kind of look at it and you enjoy the complexities and, and such. Um, but it is going to be going through this time of reaction and counter reaction. And I think, you know, in an interesting way, um, what you see happening to the Republican party, which has basically almost, you know, blown itself up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, you have this final final split between you know the social conservatives, the economic conservatives, the populist economic conservatives, um, and so you had a lot of folks who were getting into office on the backs of you know this well-oiled machine because they might have been social conservatives, but it was the economic conservatives who provided the money to get them in there. Well, if that's splitting up, um, I think I, don't, I'm, I'm, I think the long run it's going to be good stuff happening. In the short run, it's going to be extremely interesting, and you're going to have lots of these, you know, uh, uh, legal and and even individual, you know, crazy people in Target bathrooms right. with guns sort of reactions because some people are followers, and you know, they're going to follow <laughs> the, the most extreme. Uh, People. I, I want to piggyback on that really quick because, uh, you know, Scott McCoy of Southern Poverty Law Center brought up Liberty Council, which they mm -hmm. have now are, you know, considering a uh, they're a hate group. And Liberty Council is an organization full of attorneys who are defending the religious bills and their executive director or their leader is Matt Staver, who we had on the Michelle Miao show, the television version. So the interview is up at, at MichelleMiao.com. But Matt Staver had said, you know, I hope that we could live harmoniously. I hope that we can all live in this country, you know, freely, free to believe, free to be gay. Um, all that he wants, you know, as far as Kim Davis goes in, in kind of arguing for her is that her name is not on the marriage certificate. Like, could you believe that that's his <laughs> his strategy? We could live harmoniously to, harmoniously together as long as my name is not on your marriage certificate. And and it's easy to do that. Don't take the job as the person who puts their name on the exactly, marriage certificate. Exactly. Exactly. Well, can I, can I ask, obviously I'm here as someone who works at the Commonwealth Club. Did you hear about John Kasich at the Commonwealth Club when he was asked about gay rights and, and whether people are born gay? No. He had an and obviously... The video that we put out of that inter exchange that the two of them had was, went viral and, you know, 13,000 people saw it pretty quickly and that wow. kind of thing. But Kasich was, uh, you know, taking a position that was very different from Ted Cruz. That's very different from the Liberty Lobby, even though he was saying, you know, for me, marriages, man, woman, traditional, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he, you know, was pointing out that, look, I'm not going to I'm not in Mississippi. I'm not passing those laws. I wouldn't sign those laws. Um, you know, there's, there are cracks in that facade. And I think as we've talked a number of ways, you can create allies by treating them differently and recognizing that Kasich is different from these other folks. And I, I'm not endorsing Kasich or anybody. I'm just saying there are interesting things to be watching as the. Yes. Yes. And Matt Staver and his wife are both crazy. His wife is the one who <laughs> said she would go into those bathrooms with a Glock something, something. I don't know guns. I don't have a gun, but it, Shouldn't she they said. Shouldn't pass a law preventing her from using the bathroom? <laughs> 
Exactly. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today was a pretty uh, important show considering the latest news and the latest development of the federal government sticking up for the LGBTQ community. So what side of history do you want to be on or what kind of American do you want to be? You can head to michellemeow.com for all of the content. Also, you can go to commonwealthclub.org slash meow for the podcast that I do with John Zipper of Commonwealth Club. Don't forget to tune into his show. It's the week-to-week political roundtable talk at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time right here on Progressive Voices Network. Until tomorrow, my friends, we'll see you later. 